She broke my heart. His heart just isn't into I it. I feel this emptiness in that my heart. That just makes my heart full. At the heart of it all? He wears his heart on his sleeve. She stole my heart. Hey, this one's from the heart. Yeah, her heart's in the right place. But I don't want him to lose heart. Then, my heart sank. You've got to open your heart to it. I didn't have the heart to tell her. I hope the heart. We talk a lot about it, don't we? We hear the heart popping up everywhere. I mean, the heart is at the heart of about every pop song ever written in the last 50, 60, 70 years, right? And look at pop culture. Every kind of heart bumper sticker imaginable, like I heart my wife or I heart my kids and let's not forget this old gem, I heart New York. And now within the last year, we can more than just like something on Facebook, we can now heart our friends' pictures, their political advice, and their restaurant orders. Hearts galore. The use of the word heart, well, it occurs over 1,000 times in the Bible, making it the most common term in Scripture, which at least says something about what God thinks about our hearts, right? And how important our hearts are to Him. And here's the thing, too. In the Bible, like back in Jesus' time and even before, the heart signified the very center of a person. The heart was considered the physical, emotional, intellectual, and moral epicenter of each and every person. It's sort of kind of like that in our culture today, right? Yeah, not really. No, there seems to be much more emphasis on the emotional side when we talk about the heart today. Emotional over just about everything else. Nothing about the intellectual or anything regarding morality. Still, in the end, the heart does represent the center of who we are. Let's face it, our hearts are the literal and virtual drivers of the bus most of the time, right? Okay, so knowing this to be true, what do we do with that? I mean, what do we do when we're heartsick or when we're heartbroken or when we lose heart? 17th century mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal had this to say, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, and it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God, made known through Jesus Christ. A God-shaped vacuum, or hole, or void. You know that spot, don't you? I know I sure do. I mean, how did you try to fill that void? How are you currently trying to fill it? Sex? Money? Work? Well, how is or how did that work for you? It always comes up empty, right? It isn't until we wake up and finally fill that chasm, that endless void, with the eternal, with the unending, with the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, it isn't until we fill that void with God that we will find peace, true peace. Until then, we're going to live in that constant turmoil and tumult, that never-ending, insatiable storm. We're looking at the storms of life all this month, and today, Dan Shandemar is in the studio to talk with Justin and me about the void in his heart, that storm of emptiness that he had through a big part of his life, and how he eventually calmed that storm. Riding the storm up. This is Flatirons Men's Community Pastor Dan Foote, and this is Wake Up Call, the Flatirons Podcast for Men. 
Let's talk about who who you are. You live in. You guys live where now? You and you and your wife Michelle live in Arvada. In Arvada. Yeah. And you work for the city of Westminster. I do. Yeah. And what do you do? What do you do for them? I work uh, in public works and utilities. Yeah. Uh, I've been there. This is my twenty fifth year. And um, I work in the utilities division. I'm a water wastewater guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I first bumped into you right after I came here, and we st- I, I created this thing called the Trail, which was uh, you know a men's gathering on Friday mornings here, a teaching from Jim and Jim Andor Scott, and, and then we break into small groups. And I was looking for small group leaders, and the first meeting that I had with men that you know I was so, I was new here, but you showed up and you led one of those groups. And uh, that's the first time that I I saw Dan Shandamar with all those you know extra letters in your that 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 extra J and yeah that J that yeah that messes people up <laughs> that's right that's silent yeah um, but yeah and then you've been you have been actively involved in aspects of ministry here at Flatirons um, but we're looking for for this series we're looking at uh, we're calling it riding the storm out. And everyone has storms in their life. So uh, tell us, tell, let's let's go right back to the beginning. Where where'd you grow up? So uh, I was born in California. We uh, we moved here in 1972. I was ten. We we settled in Arvada and um, went to Arvada High School. Just just um, grew up. We were a, kind of a sports family. I you know we played a lot of sports and uh, yeah. Your folks. Um, now tell us about your folks. What was life like at home when you're growing up? Well, it was uh, it w- it was hard to be honest with you. Um, I think my mom was uh, felt really detached once we got out here, and um, it you know their relationship was was not good. Yeah, I, I guess I'll just jump right in here. So yeah, you know my uh, mom and dad didn't get along. A lot of fighting, a lot of arguing. Um, you know, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, when, when did you recognize this? Like how early on? Well. You know, probably when I was in middle school, I, I, you know, he didn't come home at night and, you know, then when he did, you know, mom met him at the door and things were just pretty combustive. So, yeah. Yeah. um, then once I got older and, you know, started drinking myself and partying a little bit, I, I just could tell, you know, there was an excess there. Yeah. So, but you knew early on uh, that there were, that there were problems. As far as with your folks, yeah, my mom and yeah, they never got along. There yeah. was there was uh, they were always fighting and arguing about something. There were times my brother and I were we you know they would wake us up arguing. Um, he got home late and um, yeah, there was a few times him and I just sat at the top of the stairs and you know I part of me wanted to go down there and stop him and he you know there was a, I remember one time he grabbed me and stopped me and it's like no nah, don't don't go down there and. Heard a lot of bad words. A lot of things were said. And then what? What happened then? As far as did your folks stay together? They did actually. Um, they stayed together till all his kids left, and they finally got a divorce um, sometime in the mid nineties. Thirty eight years of marriage. Thirty eight years. Yeah, of marriage. my mom. My mom finally had had enough, and, and then divorce. Yeah. What What did you take away uh, personally from that? As far as like. Your well, thoughts on I'm going to say your thoughts on marriage and all that. Well, I I think thinking about this talk and and the effect that it had on molding who I am as a man and you know as a person as a man. Yeah. Um, as I was growing up, you know, for me there was always a party. You know, my parents 
drank, and that's kind of how I that constituted fun. Yeah, I kind of understood that, and that was normal. That was you know that's what I was taught. That's what I was shown, and so that's kind of what I did. When did when did you first start drinking? I started drinking probably in middle school. Uh, I had a one friend that parents would leave. We'd hit the liquor cabinet. Yeah. So pretty, pretty early. I'd, so pretty, pretty early yeah. in middle school. Right. And then where did how did that progress? I mean, did that just that just became part of your life? Or yeah, well, um, I, I never was much of a drinker. I it didn't make me feel good when I was in high school. It seemed to be a kegger every weekend, and you know, so we'd go find a party to go to, and. Um, you know, smoked a little dope, and that just, um, that's, you know, I guess the circle that I that I walked in, that's mm-hmm. just was normal. Yeah. So, and um, you were a jock too, right? Yeah. Yep. What were your What were your sports? Uh, I played football, basketball, and baseball. Okay. Uh, through through uh, high school. Yeah. And um, how good yeah. were you? Well, I, I was I was fairly good. I you know I had a couple offers to play baseball and football and from mm. uh, some Division two sc- local schools and yeah. um, had had a buddy that wanted me to walk on at CU to play football and you know I, by the time I got out of high school, um, my one vision was to get away from my mom and dad, mm. and I thought that I would just go to work, find a job. Um, and move out. And move out and then maybe do this college thing a year later. I think this is another, vo- you know, this void that, that I was talking about earlier. One of my big regrets. Okay, so t- t- tell me about that as far as regrets. I mean, why? I'm, I'm guessing that didn't happen. Right, never. I, I, I know you're not living with your parents, so you right. did move out of your parents' home. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a – when I moved out, it, it was, um, it was a, a, a real uh, – it's a, it was a bad thing. When I moved out, um, my mom and dad had been fighting. I came home from work and took a nap and got up. I was going to go over to my girlfriend's house, and my mom's like, dinner was at 5, and it was, you know, and so we got into this big argument, and I left and came back, and, you know, all my clothes were on the front porch. Really? And uh, I ended up leaving and had nowhere to go. I mean, I was the spoiled spoiled rich kid, to be real frank with you. And, yeah. Um, when I left the house, I had— Lived in my car for a few days, and did you? Yeah, my brother, my brother ended up taking me in and put a mattress down in his room where he was living, and um, so you crashed there. Yeah, and life, life started. Yeah, so the real world started. So wow, so you came home and all the stuff was on the front step, right? What, 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 what was that like? I mean, how did that? Um, well, obviously, were you angry was, or you hurt or? I, I was. I was shocked and angry. Yeah, we didn't talk much after that for a while. Yeah. So. How long? Um, a couple of years, probably. Yeah. Yeah, her and I's uh, um, relationship definitely suffered from that. And then the, where, where'd you go from there? You obviously didn't stay in your brother's uh, floor. No, you know, I made some money. Um, I, I ended up um, just <clears throat> moving around and ultimately landed in a house with a couple of buddies and— um, and then the party began. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Tell so, us about that. Well, what, what I've learned, I think, looking back on all this was I had this huge hole in my heart. Yeah. And I and and I filled it with sports. In between the lines, I was good. I was, you know, a lot of times I was the man. I, I was, one, you know, one of the better people on on the court or on the field, and, mm-hmm. and things always were good. Outside of that, went home. It was just chaos. Yeah. And 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 my life was really chaotic. Yeah. And um um so once I 
didn't go play sports in college and I started living on my own and becoming a man and trying to figure this out, there, there was, uh, I had just had this huge void. Yeah. And, and so as probably most people do, I filled that void with the only thing I knew, which was, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll to right. kind of use a phrase there. Yeah. Um, you know, I was trying to think the first time, you know, I, I tasted cocaine and, mm-hmm. uh, that was, uh, something that really interests me when, when I did that. So how old were you? How far into this? Were prob- you? I was, you know, I want to say I was probably 20 or 21. Yeah. The first so time not- I tried, tried Coke and, uh, and well, how did that happen? Was it just, it was at a party or somebody, you know, someone, you know, Dan, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I would say it was probably definitely at a party and, and somebody had some and I wasn't a, a person to say no, um, of things of that nature. And one thing led to another and it, uh, it really began a, uh, interesting ride for me for a few years. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what was it about cocaine? You know, I believe it, it filled that emptiness that I had in my heart, um, you know, it made me feel alive. It made me feel strong. You know, it made me, you know, let me say it gave me a lot of false, yeah, false, uh, false feelings of, I guess I've never re- realized, um, the impact of my parents' life and, and their relationship. What an impact that might have had on me. Yeah. Um, because I always, you know, when I went into drug rehab, it was, um, voluntarily. Yeah. And I was actually, my, my first marriage was failing and we kind of went into some marriage counseling and one thing <laughs> led to another. And it was just like, yeah, you, you know, you got a problem, dude. And, um, you know, not me, but, um, yeah. and I knew I did, but I, I would say, uh, that, yeah, Coke and I had a love affair. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked to smoke it. I didn't like to snort it. Okay. So how long did that last? You said a couple of years, but is yeah, that- probably, probably, um, probably up through nineteen ninety, maybe. Yeah, I was, I was, and you were married at this point. I was. So, uh, your first wife was she aware that you were? Yeah, looking back, why she stayed as long as she did, I'll, I'll tell you, Dan. Um, for whatever reason, I, I've been surrounded by these two amazing women, um, and I almost screwed them both up. I definitely screwed up my first marriage and she was just a great lady and um anyway yeah and anyway. kids from the first marriage yeah 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 I have a, um I have a son yeah uh, with 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 uh, her so yeah and um i started realizing that you know my my life's got to take a different direction right so and i knew my marriage was falling apart and that wasn't going to recover and um is that the biggest know, I, I had a baby boy and you know there there's a lot of things that needed to change in, in my life. So. And you recognize that. It's like, yeah. something's got to change. Right. It wasn't like some horrific event happened, like which, what, which never I been, normally hear. I've never been arrested. I've never, you know, I've never been in jail. I, you know, I, I hurt a lot of people along the way. And yeah, um, I, I always thought that I was, you know, a pretty nice guy. Yeah. For me, you know, I was a very selfish you know, if it's good for Dan, it's got to be good for everybody that's around him. But the biggest casualty from your uh, love affair with cocaine was your first marriage. Yeah. 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 And how old was your son at that point? 
Um, he was three, four. Okay. Yeah, he's he's born in '88, so yeah. I met Michelle. She's she's been at the city. She's worked there for thirty five years. Okay. Um. So I met. I I, I first bumped into Michelle at at the city at a. We were both in a, um, our wellness program, and mm-hmm. uh, we were our, our uh, divisions uh, representatives, and it was at a meeting. And at the time, she worked in the fire department, mm-hmm. and they always had this party. So she invited me and a couple other f- people that that I was running around with to a. Was she divorced at this time? Then? Yeah, 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 yeah. She she had been divorced, and uh, she she invited us to this party. And uh, a couple of years after that, I was I was up um, um, at, at a friend of mine's desk, and she had walked by, and I was actually sitting there with my son. She actually remembers me sitting there with with my son. I was talking to a buddy of mine, and she had walked by, and I uh, I told him, I go, that's. That's what I'm looking for right there. And so let me go back because um, this void that you you've experienced. Because to me, this is uh, I'm going to say this is the storm in Dan Shandemar's life. The this void that you've had, you had as as a kid, you had you said in between the lines, whether you're on the basketball court, the football field, baseball, on, on the yeah. baseball diamond, everything's good. Outside of that. You got this void. You, yeah. Your plan was to go to college. That didn't happen, so you still have this void. Cocaine, you know, temporarily fills this void. Where's the void now as you're meeting Michelle? Still there, or are you trying to fill it with her? Or Colossians 3.2 says, you know, set your mind on things that are above, not on earthly things. And I was still in the earthly mode yeah. at that time. And I knew there was something out there, Dan, and, and I, I, uh, I just— couldn't put my hands on it, you know. I always had this sense of disappointing people. One of the main drivers is is what, trying to figure out why I was this drug addict was, you know, as long as I had the drugs and I brought it to people, they would like me. Yeah. And I think that was a really big thing. And so I, I, I still, I think I was, to answer your question, I think I was seeking out still relationships that weren't healthy for me, um, just looking for affirmation. Yeah. And it, and it's for me to like come to that conclusion. You know, I'm this big strong guy, and boy, I sure wasn't. I wasn't okay with who Dan was, or hmm. I hadn't settled into, yeah, liking Dan. Yeah, that void was still out there. So Michelle and I got together. Three months, I popped the question. Hmm. Three months, we were married. Three months, we were pregnant. Eighteen months, I was moving out, and we were, um, we were done. Wow. So um, that that was that was fast. That was kind of our. Um, um, so what happened as far as like three months? Three months you're dating. You you know you propose. Yeah. Three months you're married. Three months into the marriage, she's pregnant. Her tools for marriage was ended in divorce. My tools for marriage ended in divorce. So you know after six months of dating. You know, we didn't even know each other. Yeah. Um, hey, let's get married and use these tools we have, and let's make it work anyway. That didn't work. It it didn't work, yeah. you know. So what happened? What led to 18 months you're packing up and, walk, and going out the door? Well, she, uh, you know, I, I think one thing that Michelle had, when she met me, she had this big old brick wall mm-hmm. that I needed to penetrate yeah. to get what I wanted out of the relationship. 
And what, what she needed from me was this man that was going to um, give her her heart. You know, she didn't have that from her first husband. You know, <laughs> I I was just, you know, looking for someone to like me, you know, and, right. and give me some affirmation. She wasn't willing to do that. You know, I, I you know, at the time I was probably playing 150 softball games a year. I was, I skied in the wintertime. I played basketball and, you know, intramural football, I, you know, and that should work for everyone. Yeah. Well, she, she wasn't having, having none of that. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't know each other well enough to actually realize all these dynamics that we have. So um, as we, you know, we, you know, then we got pregnant. We actually bought a house and moved in together prior to that. And um, so then we got married and got pregnant and went through a pregnancy. And she was looking for a lot more right. out of marriage than sure than this uh, this guy that you know thought that uh, he had all the answers. So um, we started arguing a lot. You know, our baby was born. We just started fighting and stuff. And and I I just uh, got to a point where I I did not I was not going to raise my child in the same atmosphere that I was raised in. Yeah. I, I refused to. And, and, and I, and, and so I moved out once and I, you know, it's neither of us wanted that, Yeah, but we did not have the tools to do it right. Um, and so I moved, I actually moved back in and for a while and, and we went to marriage counseling. We came out of our three or four or five month counseling session and they uh, told us you guys have no hope you should probably get divorced really she was not willing to give I mean she mm-hmm. she knew what she wanted out of a, a relationship and I, I didn't have the tools to to give her that right I, I moved out and and really our marriage was over yeah um, so and then what happened a couple of weeks after after I'd moved out, a gentleman that David Putney, I'll, I'll say his name, um, he invited my wife to church, a small church that met over at Moore Junior High School over over in Westminster. And uh, <laughs> and uh, she went she went a week or two, and, um, you know, we were still talking a lot. And, yeah. I mean, we, we it's not what I wanted. You know, I, I was uh, a single dad for my first child, um, and I really didn't uh, want to raise another child being a— uh, I'll, I'll say a part-time dad, you yeah. know. So yeah. anyway, uh, she went to church and she told me about it. Hey, I went to church today. It was really great. You know, can, can you, can you, would you like to come? And I'm thinking to myself, really? You know, and then she told me where it was at. I, I used to drive by this church um, thinking, and I'd see him on Sunday morning bringing out the sign and stuff. And I'm thinking right. in my head, what are these guys doing? You know, <laughs> for me, you know, church was stained glass windows and sure. Yeah. And these meeting in a school and I, <laughs> meeting in the school was not that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so I was thinking to myself, um, and I'll tell you what, all I wanted to do is see them. I'm like, that's where you're going to be. And you're inviting me over. That's, I'm where, there. I, that's where I'll go. Yeah. So I went to church one, one Sunday morning at Moore Middle School, and, uh, you know, I sat, sat through the service, and, and I don't know if it was the first or second time I went, but, you know, they said, hey, sign a card, we'll come, you know, we want to give you a gift, or, you know, whatever it was, a greeting, <laughs> so, you know. Something to get in your front door. Right, yeah. right. So, uh, 
Um, so we we did all you know we we did all of that and and sure enough the church called us the the pastor jo- Jody Mays mm-hmm. uh, set up an appointment to come over and see us. Jody's uh, a big tall guy from Texas and got a nice draw. He come over and he just sat down and said you know what's going on and and Michelle just just dumped everything that that was going on in in our lives and. Um, I just remember Jody sitting across. So this is 18, 19 years ago. Yeah. And I just remember Jody, look, he just kept eyeballing me. Finally got, got to me, and he's just like, what about you, brother? You know, <laughs> that, that wasn't a good Jody impression. But um, so I, I talked a little bit about my, my struggles and marriage and all, and all of that. And I remember, you know, he and we talked, and, you know, he asked me about Jesus. And I was just like, I don't know nothing about Jesus. You know, I can't, you know, what? What you know, Jesus? Who you know? And um, so anyway, uh, th- that conversation. Hey, I dig dishes with him. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, you know, when he left, he he got up and he and he says, "Well, let me tell you two something. Divorce is not an option, and I'm going to buy you guys a couple of books, and I want you guys to start you know working on this." And so he said he's he bought us um he bought us a, the book his needs her her needs yeah and uh he and he's going to buy us a bible and he was walking out the door and I I remember you know saying and what do you want me to do with that bible you asked him that yeah what did he say he says well brother I I want you to open it up find the book of John and start reading and I said um okay then what he said God will take it from there. Uh, sure enough, I got home from work the next day, and uh, inside our door were two books. There was a, a book, Kids Needs, Her Needs, and there was a Bible there. And so I uh, proceeded to uh, take that Bible, and I opened it up and found the book of John and, and started reading the book of John probably within 20 minutes of me grabbing that book out of the doorway. And um, I'm here to tell you my life's never been the same. That's correct. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you know, Dan, so I started reading the Bible, and it was for the first time in my life, I, I feel, I, I, I felt that the truth, I, I was reading the truth. Something real was coming alive. And I'll tell you what, for me, the Bible came alive. Yeah. And it, you know, I started reading these things about what God says about me. You know, I mean, in John, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It was just like, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, when all these things uh, started to transpire and, uh, we, uh, you know, a really important aspect of that, I kept going to church. Yeah. Um, you know, and they joined a small group. We did that. I started surrounding myself with some great individuals, and um, I started volunteering at the church. One one of the great stories that that, that I have is um, I think they used to call themselves the, the the nomad church. You know, we rolled in, we set up the chairs, and we packed everything up and and left. But yeah. so I, I'd showed up every morning, you know, after a while, and I, I'd help set up the chairs. And a lot of mornings it was just me. And I remember a time I the you know we'd set up the stage and the band would be warming up and I'd be doing the chair stuff. And and I uh, one day it, you know I just got you know really. Um, started thinking to myself, you know, why am I doing this? You know, these people don't appreciate me. You know, the old, you know, the, um, you know, the old man was coming alive in me feeling all um, 
self-righteous and right. you know, this church wouldn't happen if it wasn't for me. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I, I told myself if there's, you know, there was one day I, I was setting them up and I was, you know, nobody was thanking me and anyway, having a pity party. But um, I told myself, yeah, if no one's here next week, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to quit doing this and they're going to have to find someone else to do it. So the next day, there, 40 people were there. <laughs> and we threw the chairs up in 10 minutes. And then I spent longer than it would take me to do it by myself because they were they were all over the place. And I had to get them, you know, the uh, – You had to straighten everything out. Yeah, to, yeah to they make were it, doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, to make it right. So, But I remember, um, you know, the band was playing and I got done and I sat down. And it was the first time I really heard the Holy Spirit talk to me. And he, and he just said, you know, why are you doing this? You doing this for me or are you doing it for you? So over the next couple of weeks, I got to know this guy, and uh, his name is Kenny Moore. And I spent I spent the next three years at that guy's house every Tuesday night, and and um, you know he he taught me to read the Bible. He, he we we studied Romans six, mm-hmm. Romans six, just day in you know every week we we just pounded that out. We memorized the verse one through fourteen. Yeah, um, it's the first time I got on my face and prayed, and you know God was faithful. He's like, hey, you know, do a little for me, and and I'll do a lot for you. Anyway, that was uh, that was a huge part of my development as a, as a man, as a Christian man, was spending spending that time with with, with Kenny. And what was going on between you and Michelle during all this, Dan? It, it, and and boy, this didn't happen o- o- overnight by any means. Um, but I, I I started to change. You know, this might sound a little corny, but, um, you know, Galatians 5.22 speaks of the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, the fruits of the Spirit started to come alive in my action. Um, you know, I, I became peaceful. You know, my, my life started to be filled with joy. I started to see the things around me. You know, I looked at this this woman that, that God put in front of me, and, I you know, I, I started to love her. You know, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the one one of the things that I learned was how many people in their relationship without knowing the love of God. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you what, I, I I was a nice guy. I mean I, I really I really was, but I had no idea how to love anybody. Mm-hmm. Especially a woman like Michelle that she needed me to love her. She had, she did not have that in her first relationship and she needed that, um, you got my back kind of love. You got my heart kind of love. And, um, I wasn't able to do that. And, 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 and once Jesus and the Holy Spirit just come, they, the transmission, I mean, I, I, I started doing things, started saying things and it was, it was the Holy Spirit teaching me. Mm-hmm. This is I know her. She's my daughter, and this is how you need to love her. And to experience that was one has been one of the greatest joys of my life. And um, you know, I, I always when I pray with her, I'm like, I just pray, Lord, that that Jesus, that Michelle looks at me and sees the eyes of Jesus, because I think that's that's been one of the greatest joys of being a Christian man is living the transformation yeah you know yeah because what i'm hearing uh, what i'm hearing is that it's not something that you're trying to do it's reading in galatians about the fruit of the holy spirit and then that coming alive in you 
and it happening happening naturally. Not that you're trying to manipulate it. Not that you're trying to somehow leverage Michelle to get what you want, which is love and admiration. You know that adoration. That that's not. No, this is just. This is the Holy Spirit living in you and through you. And I love what you just said. This is my daughter, and this is how she needs and accepts love. And then you do that, and then what happens in your marriage? To, to think that I would have lived my life without Michelle mm-hmm. is um, something that I can't even fathom. I mean, she she is the most loving, full of grace, forgiving, accepting person that I know. Um, heck, she's still married to me, but, um, you know, it's... it's and how many uh, years now? 20... 21 next Wednesday. I better uh, write that on my calendar. But uh, um, 21 next Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, Dan. Um, one of the really important things I think in my transformation was, you know, you hear about the, you know, your death, burial, and resurrection um, uh, in Christ. And I remember reading Galatians 2.20 way, way back in the day. You know, and I, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Mm-hmm. The life I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And died for me. And um, when I when I read that many many years ago, I was like, "What does that mean? I've mm. been crucified with Christ." Um, and so I actually went on this five year or six year journey back in the day of like, "What does that really mean?" Mm. Um, and uh, um, there's your. T- he just showed me your tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Pull that up again. I want to see that. Yeah. So you got a cross made out of uh, looks like a piece of wood and a. And like a big spike that yeah. has Galatians two twenty on it. Yeah, because my old life was really, you know, it, it was it was nailed to that cross. And um, when did you get that? Went uh, a few years back. Okay. Yeah. So, so my daughter, when she graduated from high school, she's like, I'm like, what do you want for a graduation present? She goes, Let's go get tattoos. <laughs> you know, and she she just wanted this little cross on her ankle. I'm like, Okay, I'm going big. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. and uh, I think for a man to succumb to his own pride and his own self. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was the the dirt and crap and just this, this self-centered, what's good for me is good for everybody around me, yeah. and dying to that and coming alive in Christ Jesus, man. It, it, it is, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, one of the, the greatest joys of my life being a Christian man is watching my son become a Christian man. Yeah. He's, um, I think I might have told you this, you know, he's one of the most godly men that I know. That's what you said. And, and he uh, lives in Kansas, right? Yeah, he, he works for, uh, he, he works with uh, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Okay. Um, he does some video stuff. I, I don't know what he does, but yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's married. He's got a great, great wife, Ashton, and, uh, Got got my two grandbabies uh, yeah. out there, and uh, our, our grandbabies, and it's uh, it's such a jo- joy. And, and and I think he would tell you, his path, his walk, you know, was kickstarted by watching his old man transform before his eyes. Mm. You know, I'm I'm not going to take any credit for who he is in Christ. That's that's all. Um, yeah, um, the work of the Lord. But uh, it's it's been a, a great great pleasure to you know just see him grow up and even my daughter i don't want to discount her but um 
you know, if you do the work, you know, if you do, if, if you trust mm-hmm. the Lord, you trust what the Word the Word says. Um, you know, it, it won't always be perfect, but I'll tell you what, the the, the fruits are, are there. Like any real storm, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. The storms of Dan Shandemar's life, they stretched over years, driven by the void in his heart. But when he finally started seeking God, that void was filled, and he stepped into a new storm, one that turned his life upside down and around and set him on a new path. I loved hearing Dan quote all those Bible verses, all those words, trusted words from God, those words that he uses to anchor himself in a safe and secure place with the patience and wisdom to endure any storm. James, Jesus' half-brother, wrote this about this kind of anchor. James wrote, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Are you doubting in the midst of your storm? Reach out to your friends or your small group for help, or or reach out to the care ministry here at Flatirons, or drop us a note and let us know how we can be praying for you. Next week, my good friend Bo List stops by our new studio in Cell Block D to talk about the treacherous storms in his life. Yeah, uh, God had a different plan. Yeah. What was God's plan? He uh, he brought all of this to light as I was driving down from the mountain that day. Shauna found out. Yeah, everything. So I walked, I walked home into that, basically. This is Dan Foote. See you next week on Wake Up Call, the Flatirons podcast for men. <laughs>